Welcome back to Messy in the Middle. Um, it's been a while, guys. Uh, <laughs> I set out to relaunch the podcast back in October and recorded all the interviews and life just kind of got in the way a little bit, which is totally fine. So we will be doing season four take two (laughs) starting next week but until then I wanted to read a blog post that I wrote recently because I think that it is a really important thing to be talking about we're talking about ethical marketing what is ethical marketing and why is it important even though it's difficult to really wrap our heads around and come up with this like concrete this not that sort of education around it. Um, So I set out and researched and wrote this blog post and in the couple of weeks since I shared it, the biggest piece of feedback that I got was that it is too long. And that's fair. (laughs) It is really long. Uh, It might be better, might be worse that it was longer (laughs) before I edited it down. So there's definitely more to be talking about and writing about on this topic, but in the meantime, I wanted to just have an audio version available for anyone who wants to learn a little bit more about ethical marketing, what makes it ethical marketing, you know, if we don't have this governing body telling us what is or is not ethical, um, and just some food for thought to consider when you are evaluating who you're going to work with as a service provider, what kinds of marketing strategies you want to use in your own business. Um, And yeah, so that's what I wrote, and now I'm going to read it to you. The case for ethical marketing. The rise of ethical marketing isn't as recent or meteoric as the online business world would like you to believe. Search trends for keywords like ethical marketing, ethical sales, and what is ethical marketing have risen steadily over the last five years, but Google Trends show that interest in these topics has been present since they began collecting data back in 2004. Why is it then that my social media feed has become riddled with complaints of this ethical marketing trend, comments discrediting self-proclaimed ethical marketers, and claims that ethical marketing doesn't mean anything, so we shouldn't think about ethics in business at all. While I would love to link to the above comments in posts and everything that inspired this article, I'm not here to attack anyone or call out a specific creator. The truth is, I've seen more of these posts than I can count, so instead of firing off a sassy comment of my own, I made the completely rational decision to put nearly a dozen hours into researching this blog post, remembering that I actually like to write when I'm not worried about SEO, and making my case. The case for ethical marketing. What is ethics? Before we can truly dive into the intricacies of ethical marketing, we need to take a big step back to try to understand what ethics actually is. Merriam-Webster defines ethics in a few ways. We have a theory or system of moral values, a guiding philosophy, and the discipline dealing with what is good and bad and with moral duty or obligation. There are other definitions provided and other dictionaries obviously creating definitions for ethics, but I can assure you that they are equally vague and equally (laughs) unhelpful. 
For a little more clarity, we can turn to the Marcula Center for Applied Ethics, defining ethics as well-founded standards of right and wrong that prescribe what humans ought to do, usually in terms of rights, obligations, benefits to society, fairness, or specific virtues such as honesty, compassion, and loyalty. And the operative word here is ought. Ethics tells us what we are supposed to be doing, but that doesn't mean we always comply. Factors such as personal agency, perceived or realized consequences of non-compliance, and even peer pressure can all influence how willing we are to go against the grain or go against our own ethical code of conduct. There are laws, social norms, or even just feelings that can all provide opportunity for us to engage in behavior that isn't necessarily ethical. So self-reflection and openness to change are really key when we're studying or developing someone's ethical standards. For our purposes here today, the My Own Business Institute at Santa Clara University offers the most helpful and succinct definition, explaining ethics as the principles that guide our behavior toward making the best choices that contribute to the common good for all, guiding us to make the world a better place through the choices we make. So that's the definition that we'll kind of be referring back to as we expand on the rest of this article, blog post, discussion. Ethical standards. On an individual level, your ethical standards are just that, yours. Many would argue that contribution to the common good sets a general tone for what one's ethical standards should look like, but how you arrive at your particular guiding principles or values is basically up to you. When we zoom out, however, we can find that certain industries or professions with more rigid standards for ethics that one must abide by in addition to their own ethical code. Because we have this contrast between rigid standards in some industries and no standards in others, we're faced with the question of whether ethics mean anything if they aren't standardized for a particular industry. Take the medical field, for example. The Oath of Hippocrates outlines the ethical code by which all physicians must oblige. The standard was set, and in order to become a doctor, one must agree to work within that standard. But what about industries like business that don't have a standard code of ethics? Well, that gets to the problems with business ethics. The study of ethics is one that stems from a combination of industry knowledge and philosophical curiosity. Practitioners such as Hippocrates and Oliver Wendell Holmes became philosophers and used their industry knowledge to develop ethical guidelines that could be applied to their respective fields and then accepted by the public as standard. But why can't business ethicists do the same? First, capitalism. Capitalism isn't exactly new, but early philosophers certainly didn't have to contend with the pressures of living in the late-stage capitalist society that we do today. Capitalism poses two unique problems for business ethicists to contend with. First, they have to accept it, and then they have to survive it. When it comes to accepting capitalism, we know that in order to evaluate the ethics of business, a philosopher must accept that capitalism is not inherently unethical because we can't logically develop an ethical standard for operating within a system that is itself unethical. But there's a lot of gray area here, and 
there's a Professor Neil on TikTok, which I will link in the show notes, who offers a fantastic overview of some factors to consider when evaluating ethical consumption and ethics within a capitalist system. Variables such as disposable income, access to alternatives, and even perception of the problem give all individuals a unique set of options when it comes to ethical consumption. And even making the most ethical choice available to you may not be purely ethical in the big picture, simply due to factors outside of your control. The takeaway here is that there are innumerable factors contributing to whether or not a decision is ethical, and that oftentimes as consumers, we have to accept our circumstance and make the best choice available to us, even if it isn't the purely ethical option that we would prefer. But we aren't in charge of ethical standards in business, business ethicists are, and business ethicists need to accept capitalism as ethical in order to develop ethical standards within it because ethicists, philosophers, academics, not really huge fans of the gray area, and business ethics is a really big gray area. After accepting capitalism, business ethicists must then survive capitalism. I don't want to keep going on about how early or about how easy early philosophers had it, but early philosophers had it pretty easily. Modern philosophers, not so much. Business ethics is a fairly young field of ethical study, only gaining serious recognition in the mid to late 20th century. If we combine this with the financial strains of post-secondary education, the academic rigor and poverty wages in advanced degree programs, and the motto of publish or perish among those who have actually made it through to become philosophers, and the pool of qualified academics with an interest in business ethics, enough industry experience to add valuable insight to the field, and enough money to make ends meet, is seriously tiny. Even if we manage to find a business ethicist who checks all of the boxes listed above, we're trying to land on ethical standards for an entire industry. We don't just need one business ethicist, we need a bunch of them. And we need them to agree with each other. So why does it matter? Why do we want ethical businesses? I'm not usually a pessimist, but I don't see a band of business ethicists getting together to hand us a code of conduct anytime soon which means it's up to us as individuals and as business owners to engage in ethical behavior on our own. But if we don't have to, why should we? Let's remember why we're here in the first place. We've accepted that on an individual level, ethics are the principles that guide our behavior toward making the best choices that contribute to the common good for all. So what do we need standards for? Business ethicists posit that one can engage in ethical business by listening to the needs of the market, the common good, and changing one's behavior accordingly. Some even go so far as to suggest that if we don't alter our behavior to meet the ethical demands of the market, legal and regulatory bodies will form to intervene and require a behavior change for institutions. The key here is that ethics are at play whether an individual or entity makes a choice to alter their behavior in pursuit of the common good, rather than wait until such a change is required. I'm no business ethicist, but I'd almost go go as far as to argue that pursuing an ethical approach to business in the absence of standards is better than turning a blind eye until you're forced to change your ways. But I'll get off my high horse. 
I've got a blog post to write. I thought that was a funny line, so I'm leaving it in here, but I actually do want to sidebar and use the recent email changes as a great example for why we want businesses to take matters into their own hands. So when it comes to email marketing, there have always been rules and laws and regulations, but it was really difficult to enforce if you spammed someone a bunch or sent people emails without their consent or whatever it is that these new email (laughs) rules are trying to prevent us from doing. And people did it anyway. So as a result, Us as business owners have to go into all of our systems and go into all of our programs and update our DNS records and do a bunch of stuff that I'm hoping I did properly, but like, who knows? And that's because the general populace of the market, people who businesses are serving, felt that they weren't being respected and that they weren't being having their information dealt with in an ethical way. And as a result, Google and Yahoo and whoever else changed their standards and forced business owners to make a change. So that's one very recent example of if we just like do the right thing, maybe we won't have to update our DNS records again. So there's that. Back to the blog post. (laughs) Why do we care about the greater good? I'm going to get into marketing soon, I promise, but before we can understand ethical marketing, we have to understand why we are motivated to act ethically when there is no penalty for doing so. Outside of the email marketing, you know, threat of penalty that I used as an example earlier, there's no direct penalty for doing something unethical in business unless you also do something illegal and get caught. So there's corporate, there's this thing called corporate social responsibility. And under the model of corporate social responsibility, we believe that corporations should play a positive role in the community and are held accountable by themselves, their stakeholders, and society as a whole. When they do good, they are rewarded through profits and positive feedback. And when they do bad, they're punished through losses, bad publicity, and potential legal implications. So that's why corporate corporations want to do the right thing. Then we have enlightened self-interest because corporations aren't people. So this is where enlightened self-interest comes into play. The individuals who make up an entity, particularly leadership and other decision makers, are more likely to make an ethical decision, one that has a positive impact on society, when the outcome of that decision will support their own self-interest aka the success of the company they're representing or their own social or financial status as a result of being a trailblazer for a positive or ethical move on behalf of the company. This is especially true for business owners. We've got the business needing to do the good thing, but then also the business owner needing to make sure that the business does the good thing so that they don't go out of business and lose all of their money. By living in a society that places value on corporations making a positive impact in their communities, we can incentivize individuals to make ethical business decisions because they will be socially rewarded through praise or financially rewarded through profit. There are some businesses, business ethicists, say that five times fast, who will argue that One cannot engage in truly ethical behavior if they are hoping to seek praise or avoid punishment by doing so, and that an action must be entirely altruistic in order to be ethical. But I would like to personally invite those business ethicists to lighten up a bit. 
people should be allowed to feel good about doing good. So now we get to the case for ethical marketing. And if you stuck with me this far, thank you. I'm going to reward you by finally getting to the point. Up until now, we've tossed around several theories, played with nuance, and poked fun at business ethicists. Sorry if there are any business ethicists listening. But what do we mean when we talk about ethical anything in business? In order to have a coherent conversation about ethical marketing, sales, coaching, or anything else in business, we need to make and agree on some assumptions. Assumption number one. Ethical business practices are shaped by changing market needs as they pertain to the way an organization impacts some other entity, be it the individual, a market segment, or the world at large. Assumption number two, self-satisfaction, financial gain, or other motivating factors do not automatically negate the ethical nature of these business practices, provided they are pursuing a net positive impact on the outside entity. And assumption number three, There are too many factors at play to quickly or easily create a truly comprehensive standard for ethical business practices, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Now that we're on the same page, let's get to work. What is ethical marketing? Ethical marketing is a philosophy that informs all marketing efforts of a person or organization driven by the needs and demands of the marketplace. Though it can seem as though ethical marketing is a new or trendy moniker for marketers to embrace, the market has been calling for behavior change from institutions for some time. Enough time, in fact, that we're able to draw a consensus of what ethical marketing should look like for organizations based on the consistent demands of the consumer. Though not a formal regulatory body, These demands come together to form a general set of guidelines that companies can use to evaluate new marketing strategies on the basis of how they align with the needs and ethical demands of their audience or industry. Another definition of ethical marketing is when you promote a product, service, or brand in a way that aligns with your morals and values. Under this definition, technically, anyone could call themselves an ethical marketer while engaging in manipulative, deceptive, or otherwise dishonest practices, provided manipulation, deception, and dishonesty are their values. Instead of using this alternate definition to discredit the concept of ethical marketing, I encourage you, reader slash listener, to dig a little deeper. If we accept that ethical behavior is defined by the needs of the market, and common pursuit of the greater good, we can deduce that for a promotional activity in alignment with one's morals and values to be considered ethical, it must also meet the needs of the market as they pertain to pursuit of the greater good. These values may differ from organization to organization, but there are a few constant themes recognized by ethical marketers across the industry. And so we call these the essential themes of ethical marketing. I'm learning that reading headlines of a blog post feels weird when you're doing it in an audio format, and that is just a fun little nugget I want you to take home with you. So, essential themes of ethical marketing. On a micro level, there is a lot of variation and opportunity for nuance in discussions of what constitutes ethical marketing behavior. But when we zoom out, the themes of ethical marketing are not that much different than the themes of ethical behavior for individuals. 
Thinking about these broader themes in the context of marketing allows marketers to have a common starting point when evaluating the ethical nature of individual marketing decisions down the line. I can't come up with a checklist of like things to do to make sure your email marketing is ethical, but I can offer you these other themes and then you can ask yourself on an individual level, does this email exemplify these values? And if not, how can I change it to do so? So the essential themes are honesty, respect, responsibility, and accountability. So honesty defined as free from fraud or deception, legitimate, truthful. Consumers want to trust that the information they get from marketing is accurate so they can make an informed decision about what products or services they want to spend their hard-earned money on. By grounding an ethical practice in honesty, a marketer or company is showing commitment to building trust with their, with their customers. The customers benefit by feeling confident about their purchasing decisions, and the companies benefit by building up a positive brand image and maintaining long-term relationships with their customers. Next, we have respect, defined as politeness, honor, and care shown towards someone or something that is considered important, or to treat someone or something with kindness and care. When we look at respect through the lens of ethical marketing, we are reminded just how multifaceted every element of an ethical marketing approach can be. As marketers and business owners, we have opportunities to show our customers respect at every turn, from how we handle their data to how we position ourselves to stand out from the competition. Even the language we use in our marketing materials can be adjusted to respect different cultures and populations. Every opportunity to show respect is also an opportunity to not show respect. And by electing to identify as ethical marketers, we are making every effort to choose respect each time. Next is responsibility. Defined as something that you should do because it is morally right, legally required, etc. Or the quality of a person who can be trusted to do what is expected or required. Responsibility in ethical marketing can tie back to that idea of corporate social responsibility, obviously because they use the same word, but aside from that, <laughs> outside of one's own ethics or dedication to ethical behavior, by representing a corporation, we have some responsibility to have a positive impact on the world around us, regardless of any laws or regulations that are imposed on us by an official entity. When we think about responsibility for larger corporations, it can be easier to grasp the importance of a positive social, environmental, and financial impact on the world around them. But responsibility is just as important for small businesses, freelancers, and consultants. Our behaviors matter even if they aren't being watched at the same scale as the big guys. Finally, we have accountability, defined as subject to the obligation to report, explain, or justify something. And here when we think about obligation, as self-defined ethical marketers, it's that self-imposed obligation. When I see criticisms of ethical marketing, they are largely centered around the lack of official standards, boards, or regulatory entities to hold ethical marketers accountable for their actions. But this idea of obligation to report doesn't have to be an external obligation. 
By choosing to value accountability as an essential tenet of ethical marketing, ethical marketers are electing to hold themselves accountable by owning up to instances of misinformation, mishandling of data, or any other action that does not align with market standards, whether whether accidental or intentional, and whether or not they're caught. So what does this all mean? And what I'm sure you're wondering, what does this mean for you? At the end of the day, there is no official ethical standard for marketers or business owners. There is no regulatory body checking in on our every move or checklist or flowchart to find an easy answer to the question, is this ethical? There's no oath we have to take. There is no certification or other credential that says, yes, I am 100% ethical. You can trust me. And that's kind of the point. Identifying as an ethical marketer or business owner is a choice, and it's one that you wake up and make every day because you think it's important to make every effort to live and work in pursuit of the greater good. You're not always going to be perfect. In fact, you're probably never going to be perfect, but you really want to try. You want to hold yourself accountable when you realize you messed up, and you invite others to hold you accountable if they feel harmed by your actions. Identifying as an ethical marketer is a choice, and if you don't want to make that choice, you're not defaulting to being an unethical monster. You're not committing to a villainous life of misinformation and deceit. You're just not interested in thinking about this stuff all the time, and that's so totally fine. The only thing that isn't fine is pretending that ethical marketing isn't real because you don't understand it. So... That is kind of the end of this post, but in no way is this the end of the discussion or my research or my interest in ethical marketing. Obviously, I'm one of those self-proclaimed ethical marketers trying to justify my decision to title myself with something that, yes, is SEO friendly, but also calls me out and calls others to say like, hey, this hurt me, fix it. Um, and caused me to like look in at my own content and at my own marketing and the things that I'm doing and ask, is this right? Not just, will this make me money? Or can I spin this to be right? Is this really right deep down? Um, like I said, this blog post slash podcast started out way longer and I had to cut a lot to trim it down into something that wasn't basically an entire book and who knows maybe that means I'll write a book soon um but all that to say I have a lot more that I want to talk about in this area and I'm definitely not gonna stop so if you want to keep this conversation going be sure to subscribe to this podcast um click a link somewhere and subscribe to my email list um, or send me a DM on Instagram over at Haley E. Johnson. It's H-A-L-E-Y-E Johnson. Um, And we can chat about it in the comments or in the DMs or whatever. Um, This is seriously my favorite thing to talk about. Um, And if it wasn't, I don't think I would have written quite so many words about it. So let me know what you think. Let me know what else you want to hear me dive into. And yeah, happy listening.